Chapter 1 She returned at the dawn of the night. Jada swung involuntarily towards the whisper from the sphere before cursing herself under her breath and quickly steadying her stride. People were watching her walk through the city centre, their eyes ever fixed on the commander's elegant wife in the mid-morning sun. She pretended to observe the ground as if an uneven stone in the pristine pathway had caused her jerked reaction. She then turned her head skyward in feigned indignation for the inconvenience, flipping the skirt of her exquisitely gemmed dress with her free hand. When those behind her took a cautious arc around her previous steps, Jada knew she had successfully sold the lie. Perhaps it was a bit extreme, and even unnecessary, to put on such an elaborate production. Still, the secret Jada harbored would allow nothing less, as the consequence of discovery would be a ruthless execution via the Skyfall's entry to the realm of death. How could she explain that the Sky Colony's most sacred object, the Goldberg Sphere of Jael, spoke to her more and more of late? Jada was no priestess of the Order. Instead, she came from simple origins, found orphaned and alone in her teenage years when her parents and younger sister were casualties in the wars. For most of her 25 years of life, Jada was barely noticeable in a crowd. She had only grown in reputation since her marriage to Commander Legis five years ago. Re-entering the thoughts explored only in her mind, Jada wondered who was the she that the sphere said would return. It must be one of the aristocrats from the other sky colonies coming in for the celebration, but why the word returns? Does this mean she's originally from here? Is she due to arrive at sunset, assuming that's what the dawn of the night means? And why does this fair want me to know? The most prestigious families among the world's sky colonies made their way to the capital to worship at the Goldberg's fair every 11 years. While indeed made of gold, its name came from its complex spherical shape crafted with hexagons and pentagons that vibrated with strange life. The sphere predated known civilization, but all had accepted it as the channel to Jael. The Order of Jael, a sect of priests and priestesses who held the ultimate say of the law under the will of Jael, would issue the instructions they had received directly from the sphere for the rulership of the colonies. They would even speak to the fates of the earth colonies below. There was an exciting rumor that the sect had received instructions to eliminate their enemies underground once and for all with even more talks on how they could accomplish it. The Earth colonies had been like cockroaches, their people surviving fate after fate from above. Yet, they never stopped trying to climb the cylindrical sky towers to reach the city. What sort of existence must they have to attempt so desperately to escape it? Jada's thought wrung with compassion. Sentiments of this nature also needed to remain well-kept secrets. In the past, those found helping or sympathizing with the climbers would deem traitors to the Order of Jael. Her husband often reminded her that the Earth colonies had been responsible for her family's deaths, almost as if he sensed her empathy and sought to snuff it out with the painful memory. He wasn't always heartless, and his dashing smile and gentle ways, at least with her, could ease even the harshest reprimands. Jada finished shopping for the night celebrations and made her way back to her haven of a home for lunch. Fashioned in glass and gold, it was the one place she found private moments to unveil her social status and explore even the most forbidden of thoughts. A chance to muse over the sphere's new message with a hot cup of golden leaf chai to warm her hands 
was nothing short of the very best afternoon she could envision before putting on her mask once again. And here she is, the most exquisite star in any sky, my wife Jada, Lee just gushed as she entered their luxurious abode. Oh, Jada exclaimed, at the sight of a host of officials and guards surrounding a dark, beautiful man, who turned politely and gave a gracious bow. Jada swiftly spotted the emblem on his chest, her breath caught in her throat. He's, I'm Vlad, he said with such an off-the-cuff demeanor that even the guards briefly exchanged confused glances. His supremacy, Vlad, Legis hastily added, in fear that Jada would address the next in line to the Sky Colony's throne with casual disrespect. Jada reverently whispered, Your supremacy, while mustering the lowest bow she could as her corset dug into her hip. This was the most important person she could have ever dreamt of meeting in her life, and he was somehow in her home. It is a pleasure to meet you, Jada, Vlad said with a strange twinkle in his eyes. I have been assigned to the care of your reputable husband, Commander Legis, and as such, it is my honor to visit with you both. I do apologize for my earlier-than-expected arrival. I was due to arrive at sunset, but felt it better to be in the capital before the dawn of the night. What? The shock escaped Jada's lips as she heard his last words, the sphere's words. Legis shuddered as well, but only at the illusion that Vlad held him in too great regard. He stammered, no, it is our honor, your supremacy. We do apologize once again that your place is still being prepared with the highest outfitting, and you are most welcome to use my home as your own until then, or until, well, whenever you want, you can have it. Jada was grateful for the rare display of awkwardness from Legis. It seemed to cover her blunder from the rest of those present. Still, her relief was short-lived. Vlad hadn't taken his penetrating eyes off her since. Zora clenched a small gap at the edge of the stone as she repositioned her weight and raised her right leg into a groove. Grunting, she maneuvered her left leg up and rolled onto the platform in one clean sweep. She didn't even need a second to recover. Zora flipped on her stomach and flung her arm over the edge with an expectant hand reaching for hers in flawless, synchronized motion. She raised Raya onto the platform with little effort then did a quick sweep of the new floor of their thousand platforms climb. Raya grinned through her huffs as she bent, hands on her knees, peering back over the edge. Her fiery red hair in the midday sun whipped chaotically against her freckled face. The breeze had grown stronger the higher they traversed since the crack of dawn the day before. I'd say we have two minutes on them now. Catching the bottle Zora tossed her way, Raya quenched her thirst as Zora walked to the arch ledge of the building and raised an eyebrow to the guys below. Hey, you boys losing your edge? Zora shouted down, teasing, but with a cutting tone. She loved beating them, but she didn't like that they weren't right on her heels. Or maybe you're moving way too fast, a somewhat concerned rebuttal from Pigeon ripped upwards. We have another four hours of consistent climbing to reach the bottom level of the sky colonies. We should be pacing ourselves because their defense systems start a few levels up. We're going to need all our energy and alertness then. Excuses. Rhea hissed with a smirk, but her smile quickly vanished as Zora squinted suspiciously towards the next few levels they would need to scale. Raya knew it was time to get serious whenever Zora unconsciously twisted one of her dark, thick curls to the rhythm of her storming brain. I don't see any shockers, Zora muttered, mainly to herself, but we can't be too careful. 
No matter how much she pushed her team, Zora knew when to heed informed advice. Raya was the spark of a friend who would exert herself beyond limits to stay by Zora's side, but Zora knew that kind of uninhibited dedication was dangerous. Since they'd met as teenagers, Zora always encouraged her to check in with herself first before listening to others. The gut was more powerful than the mind. Raya tried, and failed many times, often reminding Zora that no one was as committed to their cause as Zora was. I have no dreams of leading anyone, Raya once told her in earnest, but I do dream of following you to the ends of the earth and the sky. We will reach the sky colonies together. I know it. As if sensing the doubt raiding her mind space, Raya slipped her hand into Zora's and squeezed it. This time, my leader, this time we will make it. Damn right we will, Hute hollered with a huff as he and Pigeon breached the platform. Finally! Raya lunged towards Pute with puckered lips as he scooped her petite body into his arms. Pigeon rolled his eyes at the lovebirds while flipping his screen up from the device on his wrist. Confusion flashed across his face as he pushed his spectacles higher up his nose. Oh boy, Raya murmured, that's never a good sign. Zora, Pigeon started with a slight tremor. I know, I checked too. Zora's voice was solemn as she adjusted the beanie on Pigeon's head before resting her hand behind it. But don't worry, she continued, forcing him to meet her gaze. I don't think your calculations were wrong. Pigeon breathed a little easier. He held a lot of pride in his natural genius, but had even more anxiety that one day he could be wrong. Still, something didn't add up. We're closing in on Skycall. By now my senses should be pinging the wave shockers that are supposed to start three floors above us. Nothing showing on my screens. It's as though the defenses are down. Or heavily upgraded, Pute offered the thought no one else wanted to say. Zora looked at her team with grave concern. This was the highest anyone from the Earth colonies had gotten undetected since the wars. The rest of the climb was sure to be tricky, but it was becoming far too risky with this new information. I'm sorry, she eventually said after intricately considering the gamble. I don't think I can risk it. I can't risk any of you. No, but we've gotten this far, Raya cried. We need to get to them. We have to. Zora's right, my love. Something's off here. If they've upgraded the shuckers beyond our detection, we'd be heading in blind. Pute gently drew the grumbling Raya into his massive arms as Pigeon nodded in agreement with a disappointed sigh. No, Raya pushed back with shocking strength. Then, glancing at them wildly, she shoved her hand into the pocket of her worn leather pants and pulled out a small transparent bag full of... You didn't, Zora exclaimed. Raya, we spoke about this. We don't know what the side effects of those pills are. But we do know they can enable our bodies to withstand the shockers, and the side effects are said to be temporary. But based on old tech and not enough bodies, Pigeon interjected. Pute remained oddly silent, but when both Zora and Pigeon turned to face him squarely, he stammered, Look... I'm already in enough trouble as it is for not siding with Raya before. Y'all don't know what it's like when this woman of mine feels betrayed. I have concerns too, and I'll do anything to protect her, to protect all of us. But th the truth is, if this is the last resort, then maybe. If this can give us a chance. He shrugged helplessly. An exasperated sigh escaped Zora's lips. Raya swung towards her, a full tantrum erupting through her eyes. After all it took to reach here, are you really not going to consider this alternative? You'd really make us climb all the way back down, and this journey would have been for nothing? Where's the trust you said you felt when we first began? 
You were convinced this is exactly what we had to do. Are you forgetting what's at stake here? Or why we even started this journey? Raya's words were knives in Zora's heart. How could you even think that, Raya? We spoke about this ascendance. We even brought it to a vote. And we agreed that until they were properly tested, these experimental drugs were out of the question for a mission as critical as this. We already know what happened with Seneca. How can we trust ascendance? What if our bodies can't handle the side effects, especially at this altitude? And if our most updated tech can't even detect their weapons, how do we know this will work for the shockwaves they may now have? I refuse to make my team the guinea pigs of Star Sky's labs. There will be no repeats of the past and no blood rain on my watch. The team went silent. Zora's rants were rare, but the pain of experience fueled them when they happened. It was only a decade ago that the Earth colonies had almost reached the sky, and the wave shockers sent hundreds falling to their deaths. Most were already so weak from the extreme climb that they didn't stand a chance. Five years later, Star Sky had developed Seneca as a pain reliever for the harsh training of those in the Earth colonies who wished to build the strength to climb the sky towers. Unfortunately, there were unknown addictive properties within the drugs that eliminated almost half of the new candidates. They were recalled by the lab. Ascendance was Seneca's replacement, with the added technology to withstand the frequency waves from the shockers that would normally rip apart the body from the inside out. Even parachutes disintegrated when exposed to those terrible invisible shock waves. The only way to not fall into the shockers' deadly radius was to either get past them undetected or disable them from the landing below, if they could reveal their presence and positions with the scanners. Using Ascendance was a new option on the table, but a largely untested one with limited results. Zora walked to the edge and peered down, quiet for a few minutes as she steadied her breath and thought through the options. The midday sun blazed against her skin, yet there was a comforting warmth within its rays. She knew she held a bias against the drugs that wasn't fair to the team's chances of ascending, or, more specifically, to Raya. She also knew that what Raya said had been true. Zora felt it in her heart that this was their destined climb. Eventually, she conceded to a middle ground. Okay, the drugs are on the table, but only when we reach the level that the shockers are supposed to begin, and only if I am the first one to take it. Opposition rang through the team, but with one look from Zora, they stopped again. Pigeon, you said three more levels before the shockers? According to our last scans, yes, three up from here. Zora, Raya couldn't help herself. Are you sure you don't want all of us to take them together now so that whatever happens? No, Raya. Zora softly held her friend's shoulders and squeezed. I am the only guinea pig, and that's an order. Raya nodded, happy to at least know they could still proceed. For one, she was proud of herself for listening to her gut and bringing the ascendance from Star Sky. The boys were the first to climb to the new level, with Pigeon running point on the scans in hope that some adjustments might help. Zora ascended after, with Raya half a minute behind her. Despite Pute and Pigeon already being on the floor, Zora took a quick scan of the area, then walked back to the edge to reach for Raya as her arm extended. With their hands only two meters away, a hidden shocker suddenly blasted its waves to the frequency of Raya's screams. Raya! Zora rushed to grab her, but Pigeon rammed himself into Zora's body, shoving her out of the way of the wave. Then, he held her body down with his, while she struggled through desperate shouts. Raya was still holding on to the edge with undulating cries, while red streams trickled down her nose and ears. No! 
Hute's feet pounded around the corner, and upon seeing his lover caught in the waves, shouted, Raya! No, baby, no! Seconds crawled like hours as time slowed the torturous death underway. Zora scrambled under pigeon's weight, finally breaking free of his hole and dragged herself closer to the edge. Raya saw her coming and knew the only way to stop Zora from trying to save her was to finally let go. There was only one reason she was still holding on either way. As Raya painfully moved her arm towards her pants pocket, she looked at each of them, bloody eyes filled with an impossible love. Then she flung her arm at them and let go to the sounds of their unified screams. Relief flooded Raya's body as she dropped out of the shocker's radius and into the bright blue sky. She felt oddly grateful for the seconds all the shocked ones had to speak to their maker before crashing into the earth. She was entirely at peace. The packet of pills she'd thrown as her final act of bravery fell right at Zora's feet. Got one! Leja suddenly shouted with a celebratory howl, startling Jada, Vlad, and all others guarded in their home. Men, the new tech works! Those present from the capital burst into chairs, but Jada's face fell to the earth. Internally scolding herself for what felt like more times than should ever happen in a day, she quickly plastered on a smile. It didn't matter. All the men were flipping up their screens to see the position of the blast as though it was a game won and not a real life lost, even if the uninvited guest heralded from the earth colonies. Either way, no one had noticed her dismay. No one, except Vlad. This seems pretty high up, a counselor motioned to Legis, and yet it triggered none of the new wave shockers on the floor below it. Are we sure this isn't a malfunction? Or maybe it was just a bird. Is there a way we can check? Legis nodded slowly, eyes narrowed at his screen as he contemplated the security risk. It's the 11. We can't be too safe. While I'm sure it's nothing, or if it was something, that something is no longer a thing. Running a few tests can't hurt. He turned to Jada and smiled reassuringly. My love, there is nothing to worry about, but may I leave his supremacy Vlad in your most capable hostess hands? Jada bowed with a beguiling smile. You need never ask. It would be my honor. Legis solemnly bowed before Vlad, along with the entire party, and then the excited buzz sprung up once again as they shuffled through the doors. Within a minute, Jada found herself entirely alone with the soon-to-be-appointed ruler of the sky. It didn't take him more than a second to question her in the most severe tone. Based on your reaction to the news of the shocker, is there any particular reason you don't think we should protect ourselves from the earth colonies? What? Jada stumbled over her racing thoughts as her heart began to pound. She'd never been asked such a direct question about her allegiances, nor had she ever been asked anything by anyone with such great authority. Ill-prepared, she was temporarily speechless, but finally her desperate lips found the words to form an answer. No, of course not your supremacy. I, I would never. We should protect our colonies at all costs. The sky colonies, you mean? Yes, of course. Not the earth. Never the earth. Hmm. Jada wanted to sink into the thickest clouds, dancing in mockery of her blunders just outside her walls of windows. She looked down and then away, clearing her throat as Vlad considered her with the staunchest face. Shifting her weight from one foot to the other, she signaled towards the skyview room and chose her next words carefully. I am delighted to speak with you on the fantastic plans my husband has to secure both the capital and all of the sky colonies. I pay close attention to his work. While I was admittedly a bit triggered by the shockwave event, having lost my family to the attacks from the earth colonies, 
I can assure you that my sentiments were not ones of mercy, but of justice and retribution, as is the will of Jael. Jada took a deep breath and turned, indicating that he should follow her while raising her head high and flipping her skirt once again. She didn't know he had observed the way she tried to conceal her reaction to Despair's whisper earlier, and even worse, that he now knew this was her tell. Raya, Zora mourned with the pain of a thousand suns burning a hole into her core. Guilt swelled into madness as she knelt in front of the pills. She had denied Raya the one gut feeling she was willing to disobey an order for, and now Raya was dead. Pute rocked back and forth in a corner, hugging his bent legs and uttering her name through inconsolable sobs. Pigeon hadn't moved from the floor since he'd held Zora back. He stared at the ceiling as though it were a mirror, enraged at himself for not knowing, seeing, calculating, anything, anything that could have stopped this fate. It was an hour before an even worse silence took the place of their grief. The emptiness was more than each of them could bear. I'm so sorry, Zora whispered. This is my fault. I should have let her take... No, it's mine, Pigeon retorted, shifting his body to sit and face Zora. The shockers were my responsibility. No, Zora's voice grew louder. I denied her the pills when she wanted to take them. And I didn't take her side at the vote. Pute's words rung with regret. It would have been two to two, and she would have had a chance before we even started this journey. She tried to convince me before the meeting but I was afraid of what the drugs might do to her given the past. He didn't need to finish. They deliberately voted no three to one at that meeting. They all knew of Raya's prior addiction and had intervened to get her off of Seneca after her last bad trip. Raya had been lucky to recover from its deadly grip. With ascendance, on top of the unknown side effects and unproven efficacy, they'd been afraid to lose Raya to a new addiction under their watch. They'd lost her anyway. Zora reached for the packet of ascendants and squeezed it in her hand. She knew the risk, but she also knew that Raya's death needed to be made worth it. Holding the red and white pill in her fingers, she held it up to the mid-afternoon sun. Are you sure about this? Pute softly probed as Pigeon pushed his spectacles up again. I'm sure I need to be the only one. Pute and Pigeon knew Zora's tone meant there would be no opposition to her decision. They could only nod as she issued sober instructions for their descent and Raya's funeral. Upon finishing, she swallowed the pill. Then, as soon as it kicked in, Zora began her eerily rapid drug-powered ascent alone. Jada glanced at the sky as the sun inched towards the horizon, nerves kicking in at the thought of the sphere's words. She returns at the dawn of the night. Across from her, Vlad's questioning had been unrelenting and exhausting. She didn't know how much longer she could keep up her dogmatic facade as he pushed harder for her honest views on the will of Jael. And what if you're asked to kill a child? Would you obey then? Jada gasped, unwilling to consent to such a treacherous act. Do you really think our goddess would request such an evil thing? She had found a way to push back, triumphantly, she added. Is that what you think of Jael? And would you obey? Vlad's genuine surprise at her response made her reconsider her relief from finally fighting back. It reoccurred to her that he was the next ruler of the Sky Colonies, and she'd just spoken to him with blatant disregard for his post. Vlad seemed to perceive the wave of regret crashing down in her demeanor. No, don't stop. Don't run away from me. 
His voice was gruff, yet sultry, as though her moment of truth had been intoxicating to his ears. Jada bit her bottom lip, panic rushing through her body as she considered his command. This, what he'd asked for, was treason. My husband is the commander of the Sky Colony's forces. What is wrong with me? This is a test. It has to be. He wants to see whether he can trust Legis and me, or if we will betray the kingdom and the will of Jael. Your supremacy, Jada started. Vlad, he corrected her, still pushing for the lowering of her mask. Your supremacy, she maintained her position with a bit more strength. It has been a long day, and it promises to be an even longer night. I wish I could accommodate all your scenarios and what I might or might not do, but I am of simple origins with no significance other than that of my husband's post to which he has dedicated his entire life. These scenarios would never apply to me. Ajael would never wish anything of a wife of little prominence in the wider scheme of things. Perhaps of my husband, yes. And even he has never been asked anything by the sect outside of the duties of his post. I don't know what you think you see in me, but I can assure you that my loyalty is to Jael and the Sky Colonies. Whatever I have done to make you question this so passionately, I extend my deepest apologies and only ask that you let me explain whatever the source of your suspicions may be. Please don't punish my husband for any blunders you might have witnessed on my part. I am still learning the way of the ladies of high households. Vlad's eyes widened as she made her appeal, as if suddenly connecting the dots of her mind's trajectory from his line of questioning. He seemed to doubt himself then, and curtly rose to his feet. No, it is I who have been inappropriate and perhaps even wrong in my assumptions. There is no suspicion on your household whatsoever, Jada. In fact, I look forward to your husband's service for many years to come. I should take my leave. Jada felt the tension she'd held all day finally flow out of her body. She rose gracefully and bowed, this time with overflowing gratitude. As the sun dipped into the horizon, Jada released all attachments to the whispers from the Goldberg sphere. It was time to let go of the notion that she could hear anything from such a sacred object. That crazy belief caused nothing but trouble in her life and she could do without hearing another word from it again. This way, Jada extended her arm towards the exit of the Skyview's balcony. Vlad walked ahead of her, and she began to follow, but then she paused, as a strange scuffle sounded right below the floor. Vlad turned immediately to the sunset and then to the noise, glancing back at Jada questioningly. Jada shook her head in confusion, then the balcony's defenses powered up, and a shocker went off right at the edge. Ugh! They heard a muffled cry, and both ran to the balcony to see a hooded figure caught within the shocker's waves. The air viciously trembled all around the unidentified body, yet the intruder still held on. How? Vlad couldn't believe his eyes as the person still seemed to have the strength to slowly climb through the pain. He swung towards Jada, who ran to the alarm panel and held her hand right over the panic button. Her finger hovering above it, their eyes met and shared the unspeakable understanding that she simply couldn't press it. Instead, she launched for the disabler and swung the lever down. Vlad gasped at her choice, but Jada ignored him and ran back to the edge. The hooded climber had paused as if relieved to regain a little strength from the mercy shown. Then, in a surprisingly powered jump, the intruder leapt up to the ledge, hands barely reaching it with fingers gripping the edge. She returns at the dawn of the night, Vlad uttered, causing Jada to whip around to face him momentarily. She then grabbed one of the climber's arms 
and didn't have time to process her surprise when Vlad grasped the other. Together, they hoisted the intruder over the edge in one treasonous sweep. Jada gazed at Zora as she removed her hood, and the blood drained from her face. Only one word escaped Jada's lips. Sister. Sister.